0: Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I am Momentum. And we are 32.5 year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we've done a uh, fascinating screen about those eight stocks that got through the 52-week low screen. And uh, we'll go through them. But before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, while Mo and I are professional money managers during the week, uh, here on the show, you know, we've uh, avoided any of the uh, careful fundamental Uh, uh, any of the careful fundamental analysis we do uh, during the week for paying clients. Third, our lawyers say to remind you that we don't have your best interests in mind, so do your own work. And fourth, I've been drinking a little bit this week, I think a little more than usual, mo and I'm in your house, so it's your fault. But in any case, uh, see all those caveats and more at www.thevalueguys.com. There's also... uh, indexes to past shows, indexed by ticker. We've got a, a Twitter feed at ValueGuys and a Facebook page and um, of course we're on iTunes uh, Top 50, which uh, it's, I guess it's been about eight years now. So people seem to like the show. Thanks very much. We do take mail, so write in at val at thevalueguys.com. We do try to answer every email. We accept money. And yes, of course uh, you can send us stereo equipment as well. That could get you in the front of the line on the uh, email. Um, so, what? I already gave the caveats. So, it's uh, October 16th, and we're doing a show about the 52-week low. We've gone through every single one of the eight stocks that hit a 52-week low today, October 16th. And, uh, and we're happy to talk about the three or four we picked out. But before we get to that, uh, one of the fans' favorite segments here on the show... Uh, value guys, Wall Street News featuring momentum. No, Mo, let me, let me, uh, take it away let me, completely because I'm going to go. I got I got an errand to run. So,
1: well, let me just ask you a question. What What do you mean by? What do you
0: mean by that? By which thing? The thing you just said. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, the drinking part that should be obvious to listeners. Um, the 52-week low. Nope, I forget what we were saying. A fan's favorite part of the show. Yes. What I mean by that.
1: No, I what I was I meant grammatically when ah. you said it is a fan's favorite part. Did you mean a
0: fans all or the fans. the fans? No, we get a all lot of, all one or two. We get a lot of write-ins. I don't, don't do. want to say the amount. Our but systems it was more are than down. One, I don't know how many actual people. It was people more than one fan. for that. Absolutely, but. I can't say the exact amount. Okay, Our systems aren't yet anyway, reporting that information.
1: Another week with no government. I know. What did you, you do special?
0: You know, I was so glad no foreign nation attacked us because yeah. you got to worry about you know having a fully functional military. Other than that, um, you I red didn't lights? mail a letter. I'm mostly on email now, right. so I didn't miss the post office. I mean, what else do they do? The highways seem to be running. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't have any problems really. I, one thing maybe, I did.
1: Maybe we don't need them. Maybe the, maybe it's sort of a myth that I'm they they saying. tell us how important they are. They go away. I, have you noticed any? Well, difference? I did
0: notice that my email was not being searched. Yeah, because the speed, the it's faster. internet speed was a little faster. I yeah. picked up on that. So that's positive. Um, fewer. Uh, I don't know, fewer, uh, you know, DEA guys in my in my backyard. Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, that's true. But generally, I didn't notice a big difference. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, I maybe
1: the whole Republican idea that we just don't... I mean, there's no reason why we have to reopen the government. People talk as though it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to reopen it. Well, we're not. I maybe know, we're not
0: going to. You know, do they reopen a store that nobody goes in? Right. I mean, and
1: after it's been closed for, you know, a month or two months or three months and... Nobody really misses it anymore. Well, honestly, Maybe you just never open that it's store. Like, it's
0: like the Kmart chain or whatever. It's like, oh, I miss it, but I never actually shop there. Yeah, but uh, so uh, know, I don't know.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see
0: because another month goes by, we don't have a government. People do get used to it. Wait a minute, Mo. Breaking news. What? Breaking news. It's October sixteenth, and we're just learning that uh, minutes ago. A minute, three minutes ago, we just the, the government's back open.
1: Right, because John Boehner just texted me. Yeah,
0: somebody is... Well, I think that's... That's really... Yeah, no, no, knows. no, I'm getting another
1: text. Oh. I'm getting another... There's a correction. No, the government's not <laughs> open. That again. was no... Yeah, that was just a cleaning lady who had turned the lights on. <laughs> the, no, they've they found the source of that. No, the government actually is still dark.
0: One thing I noticed is there's uh, fewer
1: helicopters flying around. There are none yeah, I don't know. see any. I mean, that's it's a beautiful,
0: it's, uh, beautiful night not a single aircraft. That's another
1: another plus. Well, at any rate, so another, uh, another we're week. That's what
0: thinking about. It. So, uh, but we... I will say one thing, Mo, about this government shutdown. Yes. A fewer cars on the highway. I mean, I don't know how many government workers are staying home, but I tell you, when you take the government workers off the streets... Right. It seems like there's more room for the other people.
1: When there's no government, yeah, there's no spending. When there's no spending, you don't have to worry about hitting the debt limit.
0: I, I don't I don't I I I don't know what all the worry is right. So now. think Why about how much money wait.
1: how much money did we just save in the last few weeks. I'm feeling kind of flush myself.
0: Well you were saying this last week that yeah. you were like saving like fifty dollars a day or something. Yeah. Have you ended up spending that on fifty dollars an
1: hour. Uh my wife has.
0: <laughs> so there is some benefit in the it's merchants. It's a trickle down. It's a trickle down. The effect. <laughs> I mean yeah. rent's not cheap. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see. Uh, I guess there's a deal, but it's off on. I mean, is uh, is Boehner continuing to stay in touch with you? Do you still have those college photos? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So he's Which is—that's yeah. that's
1: why we got such good, gotta, good yeah, information. Man. But um, so tell me something. You, yeah. you did the screen. There's only eight—and this has been a roaring market—only eight stocks that are under 52 weeks Well, here's low. the thing.
0: If you look at last week's show—and I say week, but it could have been months. Who knows? But the last show— we had a Guys in Suits Gave Me These Ideas show, remember? Yeah. Remember those guys by the elevator? Yeah. Who knows? I don't even want to talk about it. I'm already on shaky legal ground, even saying what I've already said. So this week, I wanted to stay a little more pure. Why mess around? Who needs legal compliance, all those guys on your back, right? right. Let's right. just let's go to Yahoo Finance yep. and do a screen that your mom could do, right? Right. right? It's what hit the 52-week low. Now, here's the thing. When you run the 52-week low... On this particular screen, you also get the 52-week high. I had reams of pages. I brought them here. There's a dozen pages of the 52-week low, which and I think only, is like 400 stocks.
1: And only seven.
0: There's, uh, well, there were 10, but two the, were gold miners. I left them out. There, there were 10. I brought a, eight legitimate names, 52-week low. And I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, don't well, you think that, one of those is going to uh, outperform over the next year or two?
1: Well, yeah, when we first looked through them, it's, it's, not, it's not Miss America pageant with, the, with these seven candidates.
0: These aren't the beauty queens, no. No, absolutely they are not no. the
1: beauty queens. But there are, um, yeah, there's interesting stories with every single All one. All right,
0: so we got three names this week uh, off the 52-week low list that you can do in uh, Yahoo Finance. And we're going to go alphabetical just to keep it organized, mainly for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, first up, and this is a name many of you—it's in the news. J.C. Penney. Uh, second up, if you're going to fast forward, you might as well tell you what the names are. Uh, Newmont Mining—we're going to do—it's a mining company right. named Newmont. Yeah. You know, they do gold and stuff. And then Nuance Communications, ticker N-U-A-N. So first up, J.C. Penney. Mo, what are your thoughts? J.C. Penney, 52-week low list. It's in the news, you know, they just, uh, they're nearly bankrupt, they're firing guys, they got that head of uh, Apple retail to join them, it was, I think, uh, Ackman's idea, yeah. not, They you now he's gone, Ackman sold his stock, The, you know, 52-week low, a lot of, lot of wonder, water under the bridge on this. It's been in workout mode for eight years. Has it been? I think, a long time, a long time, they've been through... You know half a dozen CEOs all with turnaround ideas, one guy from finance, one guy from merchandise, one guy from an, you know another planet with special powers. they've had them all in there. none of them are succeeding, and so they're back to the prior guy who is reintroducing some of the old sales techniques that the head of Apple retail when he came in, he got rid of things like. Uh, weekly sales things that there was a hundred years of history right but that didn't work so who knows i mean they just did an offering you know they sold a third of the equity market cap the reason to look at it is it's at a 52 week low that's the screen nothing more it's it
1: right well you know here's what here's what surprises me just when and i'm gonna let you deal with the fundamentals and i'll just kind of weave you a story from what i'm seeing in the in the charts here um this is a company that, that its stock was as high as um, uh, forty two bucks, um, forty two bucks back in February of two thousand twelve.
0: It was hundred in oh seven. Yeah, Mo. <clears throat> so it's been going more
1: or less with a couple of with a couple of head fakes. It's been heading straight down um, ever since then, uh, ever since February two thousand twelve. Here's what I don't understand. This company just went through the most serious due diligence a company will ever go through in its life, which is the tire kicking that takes place before you do an 84 million share offering. Yeah. I mean, you know, as they they used to say, open up the kimono. I mean, everything is fair game. And so they just went under the microscope and they convinced enough people.
0: 800 million.
1: Eight, well, assuming each person bought one share, yeah, but eight, eight well, hundred million bucks—that's a big they, offer, right? Um, Eighty-four million shares were sold, and that has got to be a spectacularly good story. I mean, you and I have both taken companies public when you do IPOs. It's nowhere near.
0: I think this was one of the largest ever. I don't. I can't quote right. you, but
1: so out. on one hand, you've got a company that's just had all the tires kicked and the very fact that they can sell that many shares tells you the story was pretty good. Then I look at what the stock has done since then. <clears> then <throat> there's two things that are happening. One, there're the persistent rumors that they're, you know, they're they're filing for bankruptcy, which is seems odd or crazy given the fact that they just went under the microscope and they just got, you know, 800 million dollars in the door. If that proves to be wrong, I might look at this for the simple reason that sometimes when a company does an offering that big, the market's got indigestion problems. And so the stock weakens mechanically because there's just there's too much stock out there to, for the market to absorb. When that imbalance corrects itself, you can have a pretty nice rebound, assuming they're not going bankrupt. So now it's time to sort of look at the fundamentals because... Uh, looking at what you can see here, is it reasonable to suspect that they could go bankrupt?
0: Well, I think that's the uh, million-dollar question no, here. No, it's actually it's the, the uh, billion-dollar uh, yeah, question. Two, six point, it's, well, the, the market value is $2.3 billion. The enterprise value, which includes the debt, is $6.6 billion. So the quick calculation is there's a $4.4 billion delta there, and that's net debt. So $4.4 billion Even at a 5% rate, which they probably couldn't get, uh, what's that add up to? It's 200 million a year, and they do, uh, what's the EBITDA? You know, in good times, they do $900 billion. I mean, it's 20, 30% of EBITDA. And the last couple of years, EBITDA has been negative. negative. ebit has been negative. So their gross margin has been uh, coming in. I mean, this is a freaking mess. And I think um, at this valuation, all I can tell you is a couple. Val,
1: remember, I know it's a mess, but often when these companies go on a roadshow, what they're telling, what they're saying during those roadshows, is the following: Yes, we know that this has been our track record up to this meeting, this breakfast, this luncheon, but going forward, because of the offering,
0: because of your wise counsel,
1: here's how things are going to turn around. And they made a convincing enough case that that many people bought the stock. So I, this is one of the cases where I want to look at the fundamentals, and I want to see where those rumors could spring from, but I'm not necessarily going to project them forward. So it, you're saying where a lot of smart point.
0: people just bought it at 9.65. So without even really doing any work, because they all did. Yeah. You're like, well, this is worth more. You know, here's what I would say about. Uh, the story and we weren't in on it you know uh, but if i were counseling them or you were as you might have or i might have in a earlier era you know they're putting up gross margins now of in the mid-20s and a company like jc penny back in its better years was doing 35 40 percent gross margins yeah. a lot of that can be a couple of things one is What's in gross margin? Well, real estate cost is in there, so they probably got some stores that are just need to, they're bad, they need to fix that, get their real estate costs in line. And the other thing is reflective of markdowns that come because you chose the wrong merchandise and you're having to mark it down a couple of times before it moves out the door. And on that one, you got to get a better system of making guesses, because that's all they are, but as to what people are going to buy I know that in recent years, Penny has tried to do stores within a store where they take brands, put them inside, brands that already have resonance, so they're not taking as much style risk, but they're just passing it on to the vendor they use, whether it's a Quicksilver or a Calvin Klein. And you know you assume that those guys aren't going to miss the, the right style, but they can miss too. Um, the biggest thing that's happened recently, in my opinion, is that this uh, guy who I can't tell you his name from Apple, eliminated the hundred year history of weekly sales that drove traffic into the store on Saturdays. And I don't know, I mean, Apple drove people into the store with new technology. JCPenney has old technology. It's called clothing. And they need to get you into the store in different ways than Apple did, who never put anything on sale because they had cool, best technology. JCPenney doesn't have that. So, they gave up nearly a third of their sales to a bad strategy that's gonna come back and I think the story that they're telling right now to investors is we're gonna get our gross margin back because we're gonna get traffic back because we're gonna get our marketing back and by the way we're partnering with strong vendors who have great brands our balance sheets in good shape and uh, not great shape needs improvement but we're gonna go forward and take our place and by the way we're 10% 10% of sales, and the reason that matters is if you get margin up just a little bit, uh, you know, the stock could be at 0.5% of sales, point fifty percent of sales, if you just didn't have the risk of bankruptcy. So sure. I think that's a little bit of the story, Mo. And I, I might—I don't know if I like it or not, but I'm, I'm talking about it here with you. Well, maybe you know, I'll get along here. I'm
1: going to rephrase what I said earlier when I said the company had gone on to the microscope for due diligence. Think about it a different way. The institutional community does not give a company $800 million unless there is a use of funds, a compelling use of funds. You can't, you're a banker, and I say, I want you to raise $800 million for this company. The first thing you say is, This story damn well better be great, not just people cashing in, cashing in their chips. So, True. What would $800 million buy these guys? Well, it will buy them a year or break even. A whole year with no losses. Well,
0: I think what it buys them, honestly, and what the market was a little worried about in today's action. I mean, yeah. it's down 8% today. We're talking about it, catching the falling knife here a little bit. But, you know, we're coming into the holiday season. J.C. Penney yeah, does $12 billion in sales. The estimates are $4 billion. billion for the holiday season, if their gross margin is 25%, that means they need to come up to sell 4 billion dollars worth of stuff this holiday season, they need to have 3 billion dollars worth of stuff in the stores. Yes. In order to sell 4 billion dollars worth of stuff. And so, I think the biggest near-term fear was that vendors who were sending JCPenney stuff on credit, you know, merchant credit, they weren't confident that that was going to be safe and there were some concerns that vendor credit which is the grease of the retail industry it's not all a bank loan it's hey Calvin Klein sends over a bunch of jeans and then I pay them after they're sold if those vendors start to have concerns and you can't fill your stores it's death knell. so I think that presumably yeah. this offering because $800 million is uh you know, it's thirty percent of uh, three billion, and uh, they've just more or less covered that. They, and so, yeah, it's it's in effect they've put up thirty percent cash for the inventory they need for the season, and maybe maybe that's all there really was to it in terms of the need. Well, for it the tells offering. you how skittish
1: investors are that they would think at today that after that kind of an offering that the company was at risk of um, filing for bankruptcy.
0: Well, it was in the rumor mill today. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. Uh, I think that may be an old rumor coming around from before the offering because the offering gives them the collateral to have a, a you know, a fully stocked Christmas and then you're off to the races after that. Right. I mean the upside in the stock, and it is a little bit like a call option, even if the bankruptcy risk is high, if it triples from here, you know, it's what is the risk less than a third that it's gonna go bankrupt? Then either, it may be a good deal. Either way, you have a great story. You have a great story. Um, I'm going to say that Penny will survive in the near Ooh. term. I can't say long term. I mean, you got a long... You know, Kmart, Sears, Penny. These companies were built for a pre-internet era. they got locations that are old, etc. So I'm not going to weigh in on the long-term health of the brand. But I think <clears throat> right now, with their new return to our roots strategy, a little more focus on the higher margin available on the internet, at least incrementally. And at this... 0.1 times sales just a little bit of improvement here which is almost a dead cat's bounce not to use one of your technical terms mo i don't think peta uh, i don't think peta likes that term yeah anymore. but I, I no, they don't no but we're gonna get mail you can't bounce cats yeah, i in. just i think that you got a lot of forces and really your point is very well taken a lot of smart people just paid 965 the stocks 747 right now a lot of smart people used yeah. to work in washington too <laughs> that's true a lot of smart people used to be at our companies. Where right. are they now, Mo?
1: So, like you said, it's um, either way. It's a great story. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now the next so. one we need to look at
1: chart for.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Newmont Mining, ticker NEM. I'm quite comfortable. We know even less about this one than JCPenney. Um, you know, I have a friend I sometimes see on the train, and he's about 80 years old. Is this a where you get your
1: investment advice? Theory? No,
0: I don't. No, I just used to work with him, and he's 80 now. And, you know, we're going to be eighty one day, so I get how to be 80 lessons from him. And uh, he was complaining recently about these gold miners and how, you know, it just, you know, owning hard assets for the next generation, diversify raw materials, forests, oceans, steel, of art- plastics, <laughs> you know. And meantime... Uh, And you've got the chart up here, Mo. We both... I mean, gold has gone from $1,800 an ounce to $1,200 an ounce. And that's causing a lot of pain. Newmont Mining has gone... How
1: about about looking at this long-term chart? Gold was about $400 an ounce from 1984 to 1988, to 1992, to 1996, to 2000, to 2004... State so it. for twenty yeah. years, kind of got used to it. There for twenty years, it was forty dollars a share.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, four hundred, yeah. Sorry, four
1: hundred, and it's gone from four hundred
0: to eighteen hundred. Yeah, since two thousand four. I think that's got to be related to the Fed's wild expansion of uh, asset buying with debt and the started uh, after uh, and the fear of inflation. Yeah, well, I mean. It started before that. I can't explain this. Right. I mean, it's uh, anticipation, I guess, and inflation coming in, and then you know this is this this clearly is is fear of inflation and the expansion of the money supply. Um, but in case, but in so the last twelve big, months, right, it's twelve month low. Off. Right. This Newmont Mining, the high was seventy. It's sitting at twenty five eighty eight. The last time it was at this price, it's not only... The, It's not only the fifty two week low, but yeah, it's the it's the seven year, this five year low, Newmont mining. And I don't know what to take from I mean gold is down, but is this the bottom for gold? And you know, how do we know anything about it?
1: Well, yeah, right. You said you said um, you said uh, earlier, you know, when you when you look at a when you look at a chart that's this long and you say four hundred dollars for twenty years and all of a sudden you're at $1,800 and you're on the way down, the only thing my knee-jerk reaction is to look at that and say, ooh, that looks like what's happened with housing prices. You know, I remember when we sold our home, we had looked at a 100-year chart. Yeah, yeah. And this is what housing prices were (laughs) relative to inflation for, you know, and and there was a little dip during the Civil War and a little dip (laughs) during, you know, during the uh, Depression. Um, And then all after after... An eternity of being flat, all of a sudden it went straight up. Yeah. And that, to me, almost looks like housing prices. So as you said, if uh, we're still trading at 1400 we may have a long way to go
0: down. We have a long way to go. And you got to wonder, I think that uh, one of the things that drives gold price, and again, this is all technical type of stuff, but if you try to dig under and get to the fundamentals, when you have emerging economies in China and India particularly— some of these cultures they really love gold and I think particularly in India gold uh, in in uh, you know dowries and things like you, you gotta have the gold and I believe in China as well you, you gotta so as those it. as those
1: populations explode yeah. that's driving a, a long term secular demand for gold yeah birth. I think so nose I mean, rings is what you're uh, saying
0: well it's just I, I don't know what form I think uh, gold jewelry right Gold, gold, gold. You know, I don't know what the corollary here is uh, in America, what you have to have to bring it. I mean, it's probably, I mean, what would you say? Maybe that's, we'll think, think of that. But in China, you need gold. You got to have it. If you don't have it, you're nowhere. And as the as the culture gets richer, there's a big demand for gold. This is what I've heard from people from China. We have a bunch of Chinese companies so come in, through our somewhere, somewhere They based. describe this... this uh, Cultural phenomenon going in, so somewhere baked into ba- weddings as well, okay. and all that. So
1: somewhere know. baked into the, baked into this chart, is the fact that there's a long-term secular demand for gold. But baked into that chart also, is QE2, and the the, well, the, yeah. the risk of con- inflation. And the question: Absolutely, is, have we squeezed that out of gold prices now, or is there still more
0: to go? My question is: These cultural trends you know, they can be really critical in the sense that, well, there doesn't seem to be any fundamental reason for it other than people believe in it. And so they sell a lot of crosses in the world, you know, and, and, and so will they continue to sell gold? I say yes, these, these nations that feel richer. You know, this chart also mirrors the growth of the middle class in India and China, you know, and again, this is a, a thesis... Um, but when you, when you draw the charts, it lines up very nicely. It doesn't prove it. It could be coincidence. But the demand for gold, because the part of the gold demand that's driven from electronic demand um, is pretty small. I think it's on the right. order of 15 to 20%. The rest is, uh, you know, jewelry. So I, I think there could be a long way to fall in a recession where these emerging economies lose income. I do think you have that, but it, you get into these cultural things. I think they can have a lot of legs. So
1: I, I agree. I would only throw one last caution out there, and that is when something has been the same price for twenty years. Yeah. You know, you've been you've been spending a uh, you know a dollar for something for the last twenty years, and all of a sudden it's at seven hundred dollars. Yeah.
0: You do sort of wonder if it can stay there. Well, demand may pop down then, and that will yeah. bring the price back down. But I would be... So on Newmont, <clears throat> now here's the thing. These guys, they earn a spread, right? They produce. So, they do. you know, gold up, gold down. Um, now, the fact is, <laughs> the sales are down the last two years, just like the price of gold. So maybe it... It does pretty much mirror gold price. I don't know how
1: to... All right, I have a totally different take on this. I
0: don't know how to... And I got a a question for you. Totally different take. Let's do it. Listeners deserve no less.
1: This is a company with almost a 4% dividend yield. If we buy it as a dividend... Let's focus on that. Yeah. All right. What's the payout ratio? Exactly. Can it... because. You know that's a four percent yield. That's All a pretty, right. That's a pretty decent. Okay, yield. well,
0: I like this mo because look, over the last seven years, right, earnings have mostly been above the level of the current dividend, which is a buck nineteen. And when I say mostly, <laughs> that just means not every year. Right. It's volatile, but they're paying a buck nineteen. The stock right. is twenty five eighty eight. Right, and uh, that's some kind of yield that this says is four percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, great. I'm in. All right. Because uh, that was going to be very confusing if we actually had to figure out if, 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 the, stye, if the company was worth well, it. Well, we again. could do –
1: let's just do <clears> one <throat> one
0: hold on one second. Hold on. I will say that the margins yeah, this seem would be good. Pretty hard,
1: this would be pretty hard to play guess the dividends. Look at the
0: dividends per share. It's all over the map. Yeah. Plus EBITDA margins are down for four straight years. Yeah, there's. Uh, there must be some kind <clears> of a flow through. You know. that, that when these
1: guys have a, a windfall on the spread, it get maybe there's a special dividend.
0: Now enterprise value to EBITDA, favorite ratio seven. That means cash on cash return is 14. That means we could get a bunch of friends, buy it. It's uh, roughly uh, 20, I guess billion. is that right? No, is it? probably. Twenty billion. I don't think we could billion. come up with more than. I don't know what the market cap here is. There's a lot of zeros. But in any case, um, if we bought the whole thing, we would earn a fourteen percent cash on cash return.
1: Unless it went bankrupt, then then you would own. Well,
0: then we'd have a call zero. if it did that. I mean, we got to pay off the bondholders, but there's really not a ton of debt here. Uh, unless, <laughs> I guess, six billion is just not that much. The total book value is $30 billion, And the enterprise value, I guess that's got to be billion, is uh, $20 billion. So on $20 billion, the debt of $6 does not seem that much. And so maybe that's affordable. Anyway, 52-week low, Newmont Mining, 4% yield, worth a look, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely one of the dice here.
0: Once. Okay, Next. La- last step. Nuance. Nuance communication, ticker N-U-A-N. past the screen, 52-week low. That's all we need to know. So they provide language solutions. Oh, yes. It gets much, well, not only do they do that, they provide a language solution. They provide uh, transcription solutions as well. And language solutions. Not they just, combine them into not a, just transcription. No, that would be too one-dimensional. Obviously, transcription. Yeah, well, they have multiple things. They do. Uh, did I mention that they, they did the transcription? Yeah. And then. Um, and they have language platforms. Yeah. Now, so here's, I mean, a, here's obviously a question. the scope of this. What's the difference between a
1: language platform and a train platform?
0: Well, one could, is primarily horizontal, of course. Yes. And one is a little more vertical and sm- and shorter. Oh. I think largely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, these guys do the ladder. They and do a ladder. They, they do that. The ladder one, the the smaller. We're uh, kind of one. a ladder. A ladder that has a lot of electronics plugged into it that plug into other things, and it, when you get into this a little more. What you learn is that they provide uh, tele- language commu- platforms. Well, it's basically telecom equipment that gets messages and converts them to a different thing. So if, if speech is coming in on your wire, it can turn into text. If text is coming in on your wire, it can turn into speech. You know, that kind of thing. Got a cross platform. Text to speech, speech to text. I think those are the main things that they deal with. I don't see that they're turning anything into light or any sort of right Just to put the company in yeah.
1: perspective, you know, we can talk about it that way, and you think that there's like five guys sitting in a you know in a Silicon Valley warehouse somewhere cranking okay. out this software. There's twelve thousand people who work at this company.
0: Don't you think half of them are salespeople yeah. trying to find <laughs> the next, <laughs> sir, That's probably next probably customer?
1: It. That's probably true.
0: Well, this is at a 52-week low, so there's some hair on it. Now, the thing that I thought was interesting about this versus (laughs) some of the other 52-week low names we looked at was this wasn't plunging. It's been a gradual approach to the 52-week low. They did it with some grace, a little style. We're kind of consistently having you think we're okay, but then, oops, we get a little worse. It's not like there's one big event where, oh, they're horrible. They've kind of just brought you down easy. In fact, we're just down to where they were in two thousand eleven after a jump in two thousand twelve. So it's almost like they're nicer neighbors. They don't they don't there's no trauma here. They're just easing down. They were at a high of thirty, you know, a year or so ago. Now they're at seventeen, no big deal, you know. Right. Uh, and and so from that point of view I thought it was interesting. And then The only thing I see here that would cause it to go down 50% is that the analysts' estimates have gone down 50%. I love when it's that easy. It's like nothing changed. It's got a PE multiple, and now E is down 50%, so it's down 50%. The EBITDA margins have been consistent. They're growing. Uh, in the 20s and hit 30 this next year. Gross margin in the 50s, consistently rising for, it looks like, six years. They have uh, a fair amount of debt, so that's something to be a little concerned about, I guess. Total debt is a billion seven. Their market cap is $5 billion. So again, that's a ratio I like to pay some attention to. Um, EBITDA looks like it's just going up. So why is the stock down? And all I can suggest is that it was overpriced and that analysts got way ahead of themselves on all the estimates growing too fast and they've had to come in and they're spinning stories of management lying about their earnings or we've been bagged or all the kind of stuff that tries to make them feel a little better or, frankly, protect themselves in the company of angry salespeople, which I know you've also experienced, Mo. Sometimes you have to just lie in order to, you know, until you can get to the elevator, get off that floor. So it could be that. But it looks to me like they've missed earnings. They told all the analysts six months ago, and yet they still have up sales, up margins, up earnings. And uh, on that basis, I think it's kind of interesting. Well, you know,
1: I, I was just trying to figure something out. I was looking at the chart going way back, and uh, if this was a if this was a rumor-driven stock or a, a new product breakthrough kind of stock, um, I might think we're at a low ebb in that cycle because back in two thousand six, this stock was, you know, fifteen bucks a share. Something happened to it. Boom, and it went to twenty five. Then there was a disappointment, and the financial crash, and it went to ten. Then there was excitement, and it went to twenty. Then there was more excitement, and it went to thirty. And now you're back to fifteen again. So it's a stock that bounces at this fifteen to seventeen dollar level at the end of a big disappointment. Something comes along, there's a big, there's a big whoop-de-do, and the stock's done this twice, three times in the in the since two thousand seven. So I'm wondering, all right, we're at a low ebb technically. It, could there be a breakthrough in in one of their so if that's what's driven it in the past, maybe we're at a point where we'll be a nice springboard if they had some good news um based on the uh, based on the estimate revisions there there's a lot of bad news baked into it already. Most estimates have come down between thirty and fifty percent for the last six months. So I don't know what do you see in the numbers? Do you see any fundamental reason why this thing is? It's been two tough tough years
0: for this stuff. I think that uh, my takeaway is that they simply had people, you know, or themselves. It's not always the, you know, company that gets it wrong. Sometimes the analysts get it wrong. Sometimes nobody knows. You make your best shot. But the point is, management and analysts have been disappointed the last year with the progress of the of the sales growth, and the stock is down 50% as a result. But sales aren't down. It's just that the growth rate is down. So when I look at year-over-year numbers, and I'm looking at a chart that shows that, the fourth quarter, so the number that's about to hit, September of 2013 versus September 2012, that quarterly sales number is flat. It hasn't been reported, but that's the estimate, and this company gives guidance. So that's probably pretty accurate. And that's the worst quarter going back probably for many years. And so there's just sheer disappointment in that. But the thing I always like to remember is annuities have value. Growth has value on top of that. If a company just – all they ever did was give you the same 10 bucks a year forever – that's worth a lot. The fact that it doesn't go to 12 or 15, you know, that's a whole different question. So I don't see their revenues going down. In fact, it looks like next quarter we're back to a tiny bit of growth, but then the estimates for, by the time we get into March 2014, we're back to 5, 6% growth and all that. Maybe they've had a model change. Maybe there's a new technology. Buyers waited a bit to see what it looked like. Maybe, uh, The guy that covers New York was sick, and he couldn't get the sale. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why this quarter's not good. But if you've got good scientists, good salespeople, good territory, good franchises in the sense that you've been delivering, and their history suggests all that is true, then whatever the momentary disappointment is, you're going to get back to business. That's why, and I don't know if any of that's true, But the fingerprints of that story, Mo, are all over this chart. They're all over the numbers. They're putting up 20, uh, let's see, 30% EBITDA margins, 56% gross margins. I mean, that that, and sales are growing. So something good is going on here. Even if they have disappointed uh, analysts, the stock's recovered. So that's what I say. Estimates down 50 percent. Stock down 50 percent. That's baked in. Move along.
1: You know? You're right, and this is something we normally don't always look at on these on these uh, tear sheets, but you do look at the how many analysts typically covered. We look at that a lot to see if it's a, you know it's an efficiently covered stock, um, and sometimes you look at what their what they're thinking is. And in this case, interesting, 17 people follow this company. It has an average rating of overweight so yeah there Ooh. are yeah that's so been the wrong
0: rating for uh, or they've for just recently changed, or recently changed the name. or
1: they've yeah. now I mean I think usually what yeah. happens is you downgrade your earnings forecast and you say buy the stock it's a you know it's baked in now yeah, yeah. could be so there's a lot of stories
0: alright well that's uh, our three stocks tonight and did you want to do a, a yeah a, this was interesting drive by uh, here's a 52 week low that we did not recommend although who knows but Ruby Tuesday, ticker RT, it came up on the 52-week low, and uh, Mo and I started looking at it, and we quickly determined that it wouldn't be appropriate, and we thought it'd be fun to just share why we thought that, Mo, right? I don't remember so that far back to you. Several beverages ago. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good idea no, at the time. No, I'm getting hungry, actually. Could they send us, do they deliver? I don't know why
1: we chose it, Val. <laughs>
0: Why? Is, what is this? doing? I don't know. Well, I'm looking at All these numbers are hazy now. I wrote down,
1: uh, it's been a flat, just about flat as a pancake. Flat. Oh, Ruby Tuesdays doesn't make pancakes. Flat as a... I'll bet you can get a pancake at Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah, maybe you can. Pancake. Flat as a pancake since 2008, since the crash. It recovered back up to this level, and it's been flat ever since then. So I don't know that the market's saying that there's much of a story here, good or bad. Yeah and if it
0: were if it was so uninspirational well i might look at it for a dividend but it doesn't pay a dividend uh you know i i just eight stocks came up on the 52 week low this was funny so first thing i do is i look at the sales trend here uh and this sheet goes back to 08 and uh you know it's like every year down yeah.
1: well that's not good yeah. okay
0: let's keep looking ebitda 150, 140, 140, 130, 108, 90, 50. It's like, ooh, just down, 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 down every year. Uh, okay. What else do they have going on here? Uh, EBIT margin, 4, 5, 6, 5, 3, 2, minus 1. Ooh. Uh, debt to capital. Uh, you know, they have been paying off debt, so that's I can say that about them, but it's still 36% debt to cap. Not great when you're losing that much money. Earnings are negative. There's no dividend. And uh, and then you check, you know, what's been going on with the uh, the analysts? Uh, we were just talking about a stock where the analyst estimates were down 50% yeah. in, uh, you know, <laughs> six months. These are down... <laughs> 160%. Uh, how about two hundred and twenty Yeah, 220. That's for the fiscal year, uh, May 14. So, clearly, they have really disappointed analysts. And yet, unlike the uh, nuance that had, you know, sales and revenue, or, I mean, sales and earnings and margin going up, these guys have every metric going down. Enterprise value to EBITDA is still 8, which is... 10 on next year's number 12 on the it's supposed to go down as you go out into the future this one's going up so it's just on the first four or five things we looked at Mo this one was just a sick sick puppy and yet people continue to eat well that's so ironic (laughs) who can explain that I mean
1: here they are in front of a a wave like that I mean you've basically got more people every year they all eat you sell things they eat
0: well, here's the How thing. How do you screw that up? Here's what I might say about Ruby Tuesday. Malls in America, sick puppies. People like going downtown now. Yeah. Like you know, we were just talking about this—the real estate when we first moved to the city versus now. You totally know, different. What was uh, a ghetto and what isn't, etc. and you know. And I think the same thing holds true uh, for malls. Those are—you uh, know—if you can go downtown, nice neighborhoods. You don't. The malls are sick. Revenues per foot, all that kind of stuff for the class A malls is all sluggish. Internet's caused a lot of that, too. People shop, but they buy offline or online, I should say. These Ruby Tuesdays, a lot of them are in malls. If I'm taking too long to make my point here. The traffic in malls is down. Ruby Tuesdays in malls. Then not only that, but Whole Foods, uh, the whole trend towards eating healthy, not sure they're on that bandwagon, you know, the fastest, quickest, newest chains are all health chains, yeah. health food chains. So I think they may just be on the wrong side of a lot of trends, malls, health food, a taste, you know, who knows? So if, so if
1: health food is the new trend, does that mean we're gonna solve the obesity crisis? We don't have to worry about the, uh, the, the, the medical system imploding mm. on itself?
0: No. No, I don't think so. I think what's happening is a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who think they are going to get rich are starting health food chains because it seems like the thing to do. But Americans don't actually want to eat health food; they just want to say they're eating it. So having all the stores around alleviates like societal guilt in some way. Hey, look at all the health food stores; we're all feeling good. Meantime, privately helps your city rating when they look weight. at at yeah. health stores per capita. Keeps going up. Helps your property taxes, but no, I think uh, I think a good half of those things uh, are going to fail. Mm-hmm. I don't want to name names, but Oof. no, I just just it's faddish.
1: faddish. Well, so what are we going to do? Our
0: how, how much time do we, do we do do have we, in
1: the show? Do we have any economic trends? Yeah. We have the, real so that time. is
0: the uh, end of the uh, uh, stock idea portion of our show, as I like to refer to it. And now you have a favorite paging. Okay. Oh, I do have a favorite. a favorite. Should we
1: do it now? Yeah. Or do wait it till now. the end. No, no, no. All that right. way
0: people don't have to listen to the rest okay. of the show. No, I think I could just go on and do something else. Yeah. I recommend HBO going up Veep. That's a funny show. Julia Dreyfus. I like that. Oh, Veep. Veep, yeah. Uh my favorite this week's going to be Nuance, ticker N U A N and uh No. I just it just smells like it's I mean, it's, it's got that element that I'd like. I don't know what it is. Well, I'm going to yeah. go with J.C. Penney for the simple okay.
1: reason that if it rebounds, I make a lot of money. If and it if it doesn't, doesn't, I'm part of a great <laughs> American tragedy. I get to be have, I get to be part of history to say, you know, not everybody gets to say, I went down with the last railroad.
0: That suggests you should order up the stock certificates. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't just... It's not a bad idea. Get those in your house. I was
1: there when the last of them fell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. For historical purposes, um, I either gain a great
0: historical story or I make Make a lot of money. money. Either way. That's a good reason. All right. We will be right back with uh, Paging Through National Economic Trends, that section of the show where we do no advanced preparation whatsoever. Uh, as amazing as that may sound, because I'm sure it seems as if we've schooled up for you know weeks on these things. but we'll be back with that as soon as we go print it and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're back with uh, Paging Through National Economic Trends. We've actually had the opportunity to uh, look at some of the trends. So, Yeah, of course, yeah. we don't
1: know how old they are because we don't know if we have a government.
0: So you you went to the website. Yeah. They were they were open. Well, here, hats off to the Federal Reserve. I mean, thank God someone's showing up for work. I mean, These they got, shut down the Panda Cam in oh. Washington, and yet the Federal Reserve is They're working. They're on. That's, They're at the job. Not only are they pumping... $85 billion into the economy every month through the purchase of uh, you know, various bonds and mortgage-backed securities. As if that weren't enough, they're also continuing to print this pamphlet, the National Economic Trends, but they do it out in St. Louis so as not to bother anyone in Washington, evidently. National Economic Trends. Now, I will note, and it's October 16th, as we uh, do the show here tonight, Normally, this thing is updated every day. You can go in. I'm sure I've commented on that. You can get that day's national economic trends with things updated up to the moment. But today, we went in, Mo. We're flying blind here on this economy. I mean, we only have data through October 1st. How could we possibly steer the economy with data that's... uh, two or three weeks out of date. I have a well, lot of Well, it goes concern. back to
1: what we said at the beginning of the show, and that's maybe they aren't steering the economy. And so the fact that they're deprived of their data
0: doesn't mean anything. Because I,
1: so far, I think we're doing pretty damn well I without sure a government. I sure you're
0: right. I mean, the, the stock market certainly likes it. But yeah. I don't know. When I saw that date, I was a little, con- like, who's at the Who's at the tiller? Yeah. Well, we know who's at the tiller. Yeah um all right well uh, we get a lot of mail about this segment of the show paging through national economic trends. It's a little frightening that some people think this is the only economic news they need to have. but it is actually uh, it because is. it's I'm everything, flattered everything absolutely.
1: everything you need to know and then a little bit more just to keep you short well, yeah your
0: absolutely I mean you know trivia questions. For your, for your spouse, that kind so, of so 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 yeah.
1: Right on the in the front of this thing, we've got interest rates, and interest you know, rate. treasuries have just been bane to my existence because yields have gone down and down and down on the ten year, and all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to see these these yields run from you know one percent you know heading toward three percent. Yeah. So at some point, big deal, bonds are going to become attractive
0: enough at some point once they stop going down that, that, that they <laughs> no, can begin they were, attracting money back uh-huh.
1: from the equity markets because what's interesting is you got these billions of baby boomer dollars and it's like yeah. it's in the financial markets sloshing from one side Gotta go too somewhere. much equity to the other side too much debt to the other side sloshing <laughs> yeah. back and forth so at some point there's going to be a return and the interest rates are going to be uh, favorable enough and uh, you might see a nice continuation of our rally
0: well, I, I think there's another interpretation of that. I mean, certainly one of the groups that's been harmed during this whole period with these short term rates or treasury rates so low are the people who their whole lives thought they could always get five and a quarter at the bank or six or seven percent at the government, and that's kind of how they built their retirement savings. And here you are you've, you've paid your taxes, you've saved your money, and now you're you know, these three-month treasuries, you can barely see them because they're, you know, 0.1. And so you go out to these 10 years, which uh, are a little more volatile, you know, and, and they're, they're earning, you know, 3%, not even, when you anticipated 6. And so, yeah, we're bailing out a lot of people who couldn't afford their mortgage. We're helping, uh, you know, those that, that don't have And yet, these people that uh, save money for retirement, you know, they're really taking it on the chin. So actually, in one sense, to the extent that they're short-term oriented or they can wait until maturity, the fact that these yields are going up, I think, is, is good news. It also means that the price of money is going up. I mean, interest rate is the cost of money. If it's going up, there's demand for money. To me, that is a sign of a healthier economy. And so I like seeing it in that sense. It, it adds a little discipline too where if you borrow money from somebody at one, you can have a pretty bad idea and still convince yourself that's a good idea. As rates go up, the projects that people support I think get a little better and that's a little more, more critical busy. review. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. Know. Well, I had one Mo I just want to revisit, you know, the value guys. We've been early and right. And so that's so rare well, I want pretty to pretty much it everything. Out. Oh, unemployment. A lot of chatter out there about, is it up, is it down? Are the uh, campaign managers controlling it at the time of the election or whatever? But it just continues to go down. This is one of the straightest lines in this book, which is I can draw a line back in 2011 on the unemployment rate, and it's just continued to go down. And unlike interest rates, which just had a pop up, this just had a pop down. We're at the lowest unemployment rate on the page, at seven point, uh, that looks like about three percent. So that's good. Right. Just want to point that out. Right, right, right.
1: Well, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I did have one that, that I think merits a little bit of just putting things in perspective. You know, because we're talking a lot about the debt ceiling. Yeah. One of the things that's in the report, which is <coughs> which is kind of a neat graph. Okay, to you out. on there. Um, all the way back on seventeen.
0: Oh. We're really skipping around. So the listener, we got people paging along. So just page 17. And then we can like, go back the other yeah, way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So keep your hand in the other spot so you can flip back easily. On a moment's notice. Yeah. perfect. Okay.
1: So you look at this federal debt, top right-hand side of the page, and here's what you see. The federal debt as a percentage of GDP has been a pretty narrow range for the last 20 or so years. Between 50% and 65% of GDP. Period. That's what total federal debt is, a percentage of GDP is. Well. Yeah. 20 years. Pretty consistent, yeah. And from 08 to today, it's gone from, you know, that 50% of GDP to 100%. Yeah. And so you've got 20 years of this precedent. Now, I don't know that, the, I know that as the country grows, it's. It's total debt load should grow just like, a, just like a company. But I don't think the country has grown so much that we can take debt as a percentage of GDP up to 100%.
0: Well, here's, you know, you have people say, hey, we've been in a bad period. We had a recession. we got to help people. And that happens at every recession. And I'd say to them, well, you're right, but here's a little analysis. Because we have the data right here on the page. Back in 1991, pretty bad recession, you know, Mo. We were in the markets at the time. And so there were needy people then. At that time, that was a terrible recession. Real estate got really beat up, uh, and people weren't getting jobs. The market was down. It was the time right before the Gulf War, during the Gulf War. Uh, Debt went from 50% going into that to 65% as you had to get through that period of the downtrodden. So you went from 50 to 65, that's about a 30% increase, I'd say, something like that. Then fast forward. Uh, well first, there was a period from 95 through000 that the debt got paid down from 65% back down to 55. That was a nice thing, right? And uh, of course it came because we shrunk the military, but that's for another show. I'm, I guess generally in favor of that at that time, but that got us back to fifty-five. We yep. got through the recession, oh one, and again it drifted up to sixty. Yep. So again, recession taking care of downtrodden debt goes from fifty-five to sixty percent to account for that period. Now, during this period, we've gone from sixty to a hundred, which is unprecedented, in at least in the past. Uh, number of recessions. So, so, in theory,
1: without knowing anything about the, uh, the, the the fundamental underpinnings of what should federal debt be as a percentage of GDP, knowing nothing about it, at least based on 20 years of experience,
0: it should be back down. It needs to be cut in half. Well, you're going to need to cut it down. <coughs> Absolutely. And, I mean, I have a personal view. Pick what percent of total GDP... It's the government or, should be right. It's like choosing what allowance should be for the kids. The kids don't decide the allowance; they they want all of it. Right. That's not going to happen. Right. I mean, we need to pay for some things, but you kids, here's the percent of our family income that you give to the kids, and then and, and then after that, decide how to spend it. I, I think you got to pick a number, and pick that, and then second discussion. How to spend it? Yep, and who knows? Maybe we'll live to see something like that. Smart way to do it. I had something, uh, Mo. uh, I pulled. Oh, we're going back to page five, all the way back to page five. And on page five, there's a thing called Industrial Production and ISM Index, which is Institute for Supply Management, and it's basically a survey as to whether. Uh, equipment managers are seeing an increase in equipment or decrease in terms and, of their own company and they and according all according to the promotional material yeah. it is the fastest right it's the fastest responding
1: earliest re- They're the first reacting
0: one because it's completely uh, you know not been run through any filters or right. statistical analysis right. it's just the raw number coming from from mac down on the factory floor so in that sense it's raw and it's worth paying some attention to. And I would say it's worth looking at because in 2011 and 2012 even, we had some you know, pretty decent months, this is a monthly number, that were running at half of 1%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And we were doing that consistently. We even popped over 1 at one point toward the end of last year. This year's been real anemic. It's getting down towards 0. And... Uh, you know, I don't like that because uh, it means that we're, we're simply not going to get the growth. Growth is going to be uh, population growth times productivity, and productivity is based on, you know, growth in industrial production, which is basically the price of the equipment and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like it's slowing down, Mo. And uh, I think that that might mean we're in for a little weakness in the private sector going forward. The only offset to that is government's been negative in terms of its impact on GDP the last year or so, and that will probably flip positive from where we are today, yeah. Yeah. And maybe that'll offset. But a little bit of weakness in the industrial production—I don't know about that. I don't. Not a fan. So, and then the only other thing I'd say, and this is combined with the weakness in industrial production, this might be a prescient comment, Mo. A prescient. A prescient comment. Prescient comment. And I've had several, several adult beverages and won't even remember talking about this. But here's my problem at the moment. We got these softening manufacturing reports at the same time that we are actually in fairly rarefied air in terms of the year-over-year gain in the S&P 500. It's been a phenomenal year for stocks. We're, face it, we're equity guys. And they've been disconnected from fundamentals. Well, I mean, uh, you know, look, year over year, uh, and this is a few weeks old, but 25% year over year gain. If I go back 25 years, you've only been able to say that basically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I'm counting up and down nine, 10, 11, 12, 15 times. And we're in one of them right now. And I think the combination of a little bit of softening on the manufacturing data, a little bit of we've had a heck of a run in the equity markets, a little bit of interest rates going up, yeah. it might be time to take a little cash, put it on the sidelines. Something that, frankly, as a professional, I can't do, Mo, but you can. because. I have mandates to stay fully invested in small-cap value, but, so I don't normally make these calls. This is completely something that I can't do in my own day-to-day is call an overpriced market. I will right. say we're having trouble finding values. We had a long discussion today about expected returns in the portfolio. and They're, they're lowering They're them. way – well, we're not trying to lower them. I mean, stocks going up lowers them. You know, it's a, yeah. So it's, uh, it's not going to be as good as it's been. Unfortunately. Well, that's a cheery <laughs> note, but and so, <laughs> no, Let me. It's I not going to be. I as have good a cheerier it, note.
1: It will never be as I, good no, again. I
0: can, have, let, I can do cheerier. Okay, that, that wasn't uh, meant to be uh, the end. Just ending, a suggestion. No. <laughs> Listen, that wasn't supposed to end there. Uh, Here's where I was going to end. Okay. And so, and so, doing your own personalized equity analysis, digging in for those undiscovered, misunderstood, overlooked stocks. Has never been more valuable. Those gems are still out there, and a good fertile ground to look mo is the 52-week low.
1: I thought you were going to say the value guys. Oh well, a well, good probably fertile place not. to
0: go. But today, I just want to, you can rewind if you're just joining us here at the end. Rewind three great ideas. I don't think you can physically rewind a digital chip. Listen, I'm old school. <laughs> rewind it anyway. Three great ideas off the 52-week low. And even if the overall market is a little overvalued, don't you think at least randomly one of those we talked about could possibly be up more than the market over the next 12 months? So, hearing crickets on that note, thanks for listening into the Value Guys, everybody. This has been our October 16th, 2013 show. Uh, we've had a I've had a great time. Mo's hosted a wonderful show here. See all our caveats, disclosures, photos our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody.
1: Did you really hear crickets?
0: Maybe it was sirens. Ah.
1: (laughs) Have a good weekend, everybody.